Hello, and welcome to Cyberpunk. I'm your host, Cyberwolf. And I'm WTF992. Cyberpunk is a serialized podcast on intellectual properties and what to do and how to get into them. Just because you've never done something doesn't mean you can't do it. And you may find it's easier than you think. Today's topic... CG graphics, or what is commonly known as computer graphics. Overall, project cost about two grand. Now, don't let the sticker price shock you there. Uh, You probably already have more than half of it. Of course, the biggest cost is the home computer. If you already have that, then, well, you've already spent the money. The other big cost would be something called Photoshop. Yes, Adobe Photoshop is pretty expensive. However, it is the industry standard, and if you're going to get into this, it has the most support, the most plugins, everything else. Um, Getting another type of paint program, yeah, you can get something on the cheap. Uh, It's real easy to do that. However, it does not have have the plugins and the uh, bridges which is a piece of software that links the software that you're going to be using to Photoshop so Photoshop can use stuff directly. If you're going to get into CG graphics this is definitely the ticket for you. Getting a cheaper paint program won't necessarily give you all the tools you need to get the stuff done. Yes you can do stuff post-processing after the image has been created in CG artwork. However Photoshop has a lot of things that the cheaper programs don't have that you will be needing. Also, like you said, Photoshop has a lot of support and a lot of, how would you say, community surrounding it. There's tons of books on it and everything else. You get some third-party cheap paint program and you may have the instruction manual and that's about it. That's all you'll have. You can go to Barnes & Noble or any other bookstore and find an entire section on Photoshop to do anything that you want to do with it. So once you have your computer, once you have Photoshop, you are ready to roll. Because the rest of the software, you can get into the entry level at almost zero cost. For the CG software, we're going to start with the low cost entry level stuff. Now for the high end pro level stuff, those of you who already have that won't need our advice on how to get started on it. Because if you've already got the pro level stuff, You're already doing pro-level things, and that that is way beyond the entry level that we're talking about here. Yes, WTF has a very firm grip on the obvious. Sarcasm aside, CG graphics started in the early 1980s. The first notable movie to rely heavily on this was the movie Tron. After that, we started seeing additional computer graphics slowly start to creep in and start producing things. Notably, the Star Wars series, of course, with George Lucas, always on the cutting edge, and other various uh, movie studios using something called rendering farms, which were literally multi-million dollar production units of combined or network computers that use software to help render singular images. Because back in the day, those computers were slow enough, it took a lot of processing power to get this stuff done. Of course, Photoshop was commercially used to produce ads and stuff like that. It was the leading edge on software at the time. However, if you looked at the original first copy of Photoshop, you'd be looking at it and going... Uh, really. Now for CG graphic software, the one of the first to appear on the scene besides simple little block programs that make blocky little things was something called Bryce. The original first version of Bryce came out in 1994. The second version, or Bryce 2, came out in 1996. That is when I got involved in it. And of course the next year came Bryce 
2.1. And shortly after that, on the same year, Bryce 3D came out, or 3.0. It wasn't until two years later, in 1999, when Bryce 4.0 came out. The Corel Corporation, who is also known for Paint Program, uh, purchased it in the year 2000. And shortly after, Bryce 5.0 was released, and that's when I got into it. And there it stood stagnant until 2004 when Daz 3D purchased it. And that's when Bryce started moving forward with leaps and bounds. Daz 3D had something called Daz Studio. They also worked on a commercial, well not so much commercial, but a user-based software for graphics or CG graphics. The following year in 1995, Bryce 5.5 was released. The advancements and improvements were marketably noticeable. In 2006, Bryce 6.0 was released. And that included some serious upgrades to the software itself. At that point, you can do HDRI graphics, which was only included in high-end software that literally cost you thousands of dollars. In 2007, Daz3D started giving away Bryce 5.5 as freeware. That in itself started getting a lot of people into CG graphics because now it was free to get into it and try it out. There was absolutely no risk to do this. The community exploded with the 3D graphic industries. And I do applaud Daz3D for giving back to the community from which was supporting it so well. Of course, this leads into the industry of free, which we spoke of in our first podcast. Now, Daz3D gave away their Daz Studio, which was one of their primary softwares. And that is like software known as Poser that allows you to manipulate 3D objects and make a scene with it and render it. Now, the, the primary software was free. However, the way they made their money was selling uh, assets, uh, basically, to build your library. So you'd have a handful of characters that were free, and then there was a couple pro-level characters that you would purchase for eh, minimal money. And then the items like clothing and equipment and scenes, like uh, buildings and structures and stuff like that. And However, they still gave away stuff for free. Every week, they'd have a new item or a free item that they would just give away and you can add to your library so you weren't stuck and unless you paid something they continued to move everybody forward. In 2009 they released Daz Studio 3.0 which had a lot of improvements but this seemed to break Bryce 6.1. Uh, the bridge between it because they were linked together at the hip when you posed your character and set it up the way you wanted to it would export it to Bryce 6.1 however there was a problem there. They were very quick to fix it. However, the very next month, or about a month and a half, they released Bryce 6.3, which fixed all the problems that Daz Studio 3.0 had with the previous version of Bryce. But included with that was also a patch that also helped it work with the Mac OS X 10 operating software, because previous to that, Bryce worked ex pretty much on the old version of like OS 9 or something on the Mac platform, which didn't support the new Macs. Bryce 7.0 was released this year, 2010. In fact, not that long ago from the date or time of this podcast. And now you have a little bit of background on the software we're going to talk about today. Bryce 5.5 is still completely free and a full version of the software. 7.0, however, has some marketable improvements, of course, and it has pro-level features. If you get the pro-level version, which is actually not that expensive for CG graphic software, you can do some very amazing things with it. The latest version of Bryce 7.0 professional level, which has absolutely everything in it, is about $100. And you're thinking, $100 is a lot of money. However, we're going to go over some additional 
options for you and you will see that this is actually very cheap considering what the average cost is to get into CG graphics. Strata Studio is a very good software program. It comes in a suite and it is $1,395. The higher end professional level, one's called Autodesk 3DS Max, that goes for $3,990. And from the same company comes Autodesk Maya, which is another professional grade software for CG graphics and that goes for $4,090. And there's a software company called New Tech that puts out LightWave 10. That also puts out a very good CG graphics software system, and that is $895. All of a sudden, $100 isn't that much, is it? Now, the last couple ones that are $3,000 and $4,000, those are actually used for movie production in the movie industries that you go to the theaters and see. Such things as Avatar and the movie 9. They're also used to make a lot of video games out there uh, for making the assets of a video game, being the environment, the vehicles, equipment, weapons, stuff like that. Now, Bryce can import and export to those softwares and assets made from those softwares. So with all of that aside, uh, DAZ3D is where you're going to want to go, which is DAZ3D.com. Now, DAZ3D does make some software that is a bit more complicated than the Bryce 7.0, and that is something called Carrara 8. That goes for 550 bucks. It is a bit more expensive, and I wouldn't really suggest it for those of you who are trying to get into the entry level of CG graphics. For those of you who want to get into hardcore modeling versus just creating CG graphic scenes and artwork, there is a software program called Hexagon, which goes for about 150 bucks at the DAZ 3D software site. Now, this software is specifically designed for creating models. Uh, and that is from scratch. Uh, that, that is your virtual clay for creating and sculpting anything that you want. This would be anything from the organics like people and monsters and creatures to the inorganics like vehicles, weapons, buildings, spaceships, stuff like that. Now, depending on which direction you want to go, whether it's to create CG artwork and graphics and design, stuff like that, Bryce, of course, is the direction we are talking about. If you're going to get into video game construction, as in making assets and stuff for video games and stuff, Hexagon is the direction you're probably going to want to go with that. Of course, that is going to have to be a totally different show because that is a totally different level of CG graphics. Now to get past all of that and to actually get into the production of CG graphics, for those of you who have a computer, which you probably do if you're listening to this, uh, most people download stuff on a computer and then upload it to your MP3. Those with iPhones and iPod touches and stuff like that, yeah, you're still going to have your computer because I don't know too many people that have an iPod that does not have a computer. So, half of it's already there. The other half is actually getting the software, going to these sites, and downloading them. Of course, getting into it, the first thing you have to do is download it. So once you have it, then you can start getting into it and dabbling with it. You cannot break it, eh, at least don't worry about it. Try to start creating stuff, and that's where we're going to start here. To give you an idea of what we're talking about here, go to the Daz3D.com site. Go to the galleries and check out some of the, the images people are making with this stuff. Also, you can go to the Daz3D community, which you go to the Daz3D site, and on the top bar there, it'll say community. Click on that, and then hit the Daz3D forums. Just click on the word forum. Don't worry about the little submenu that pops open when you put the mouse cursor over it. Just click on the word forum. That opens up the entire list there. And then click on Bryce Whips, which stands for Work in Progress. 
there you will see those who are posting things that are wanting advice on things. It is actually kind of uh, tricky when you first start off. So there is the community that will help you out with all, any of the questions that you may have. There are a few people that have some running threads on self-help situations or how to do things and also posting tutorials with actual images of what to click, where to go, and how to do it. Oh, don't be so modest. Cyberwolf has some threads on there. Go ahead and find him. Uh, do a search on Cyberwolf, or if you see who the thread originator is, is Cyberwolf, spelled P-S-Y-B-E-R-W-O-L-S, such as the host here. And uh, check out his threads, and he kind of goes over things, and he does a lot of posting of the steps on how to do things. Now, if you log in there and there's something that's not covered, or if I'm not responding, or you're, there's something that you want specifically covered on this, uh, let me know. Drop us a line at cyberpunk, P-S-Y-B-E-R-P-U-N-K, at cyberwolf, P-S-Y-B-E-R-W-O-L-F dot com, and we will get back to you on that. What's this we business? That's all on you. Yes, I will get back to you on that. Okay, starting off, you do not want to recreate a scene out of The Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. You are not going to be able to do this starting off because the learning curve is fairly steep, and until you learn the tricks of the trade, which may actually take years to get to the expert level, you really should be thinking about little smaller things. Yeah, starting off small, taking steps, that is some very good advice. Um, when I first got into Bryce, I hit a brick wall because computer software itself was pretty limited in the day. I'd have these ideas of things I'd wanted to do, and I'd be pretty frustrated because it didn't turn out too well. And I would shelve it for three, four months at a time. And there was actually a time where I almost took a year off from this. Yes, time is precious, and it depends on what you want to do. Now, what we're talking about here is getting to the point where you get stuff that is photorealistic. That is what is key here. Anybody can make something that's CG that looks CG. The key here is making something CG that looks like it's real. And that's where we get into the intellectual property of this. What you're going to be doing is making your custom library. And with that, that is what sets you apart from everybody else. Because everybody's texture library is a bit different because they are custom. It's not the same thing for every person. Uh, the pictures you take and the things that you do to create your library is going to set you apart from everybody else and make you your own style. Now, to create your own custom library, and we're talking textures here, this is what you got to do. You have to have a digital camera, 8 megapixel at least, 10 preferable. Uh, however, if you have a 7 megapixel or a 6 megapixel, that is fine. We're just saying preferable some of you already have digital cameras, that's not an issue. Some of you may need to get one. You can get one under 50 bucks. Cameras aren't uh, too big of a thing. They're literally out there, thousands of models, or thousands, hundreds of models, and types. So just go out and get a digital camera. This is where you're going to get your custom textures from. Step two in the procedure, go out and start enjoying the real world. You have to go out there to snap pictures of stuff. Now, you don't want to take a picture of a mountain scene. What you want to do is take a picture where the item takes up the entire view area. So if you have a down tree, you're going to want to position the camera over it so that the whole entire side of the tree, the bark, takes up the entire image area. Because what you're going to do is you're going to take that image of bark and wrap it around something to make it look like a real tree. The trick here is you've got to at least kind of think like a professional photographer. So you have to... 
arrange the camera so that it is square to the image. You don't want to take an, a shot where the image is at an angle because when you wrap around something, that angled shot looks bad. So it's going to need to be at a 90 degree straight on viewpoint of whatever it is you're taking a picture of, be it a brick wall, a piece of asphalt, some sand, tree bark, big huge rocks, what have you. The other thing is, is do not take a picture of something that is partly in sun and partly in shadow. You want something to have full, even lighting. So it's all in sun or all in shadow so you don't have bright and dark spots because if it starts overlapping or what they call tiling where it puts repeats the image, it's going to be very noticeable and it's not going to look so good. The next tip is to make things look organic as possible, which means not necessarily clean and tidy. The more things look run down, the more realistic it is. Like the side of a ship here where we are in Washington State next to shipyards and stuff. And you get the ships hauled out of the water and you see the side of the ship and part of it's rusted and the paint's peeling off. We'll go and take pictures of that because when we apply it on something, it looks real because organic is real. Clean and tidy is not. You can have some textures in the CG software itself. It is too clean, too tidy and it really looks fake. So you want to kind of get stuff that is not necessarily the best image that you can possibly see. So as you're out there wandering around, you are going to actually start taking a different perspective on things because now you're looking at a standard regular wall that looks kind of old. And actually that's a good shot for your CG graphics. You can tell a brand new brick wall from a very old brick wall. You're going to want to take pictures of both of those. Another trick is to actually take things apart, like a soda can. So you get a pop can, you take the top off, you cut off the bottom, you slice it down the side, and then lay it out flat so the whole thing is like flattened out. You can snap a picture of that and wrap that around one of your CG items, and it turns into a realistic-looking soda can inside of the virtual world. Please note, you do have to process these images. You need to take them into Photoshop and crop them so that you just have the image and nothing else. Like the soda can Cyber was talking about, when you do that, you will have to take it in Photoshop and crop it around the edges of the image so that you don't get parts of the table in there because all the things in the image will end up on the item when you use that photo. So you do have to do some post-processing, which is why you need Photoshop. So going out to an area, say, like where they have picnic tables, you see an old weathered wooden picnic table. Uh, basically, you're standing up so that the camera is over the top of it, directly over the top, because you want the image as square as possible when you snap that picture. Try not to get your shadow in there. You want it all even lighting. And then snap a picture of it, because that is actually some pretty nice material to use in your CG graphics. Stone pavers around your yard. If you have some old boards hanging around, throw it down on the ground, snap a picture of it. Uh, your walls, bricks, driveways. There's a lot of stuff you can take pictures of to start building your library. When it comes to CG artwork, it's all about your personal assets as to how good of an artist you are and how realistic things look. So you will need to start building. Start around the house, in your garage, old things, um, anything that has a flat surface that you can snap a shot of, you're going to want to do that to start building your library. As you start getting more advanced and as you actually start getting an eye for this, because doing this you will start making mistakes and you'll have some successes. I've learned more from my mistakes than I have from my successes and I've actually started to see things differently and understand that, hey, this is a good shot, this is not. That's a good shot, that is not. 
So you just basically have to go out there and do it and learn from the process of doing everything. So as you go to parks or areas like Yellowstone or other things and you're just taking pictures of the family, you're also going to see something like, oh, I'm going to need a couple shots of that or I'm going to need a shot of that. Um, here's some really nice mud. I'll take a shot of that. You're out in the desert and you, you got a top-down shot of some sand, which overlaps really well because the edges generally don't have a hard edge, so they tile really nicely and can fill out a ground plane area. The other thing to consider is fabrics. Actually, fabrics are pretty decent because you will be using things that are needing fabric, such as couches and household items and other things, uh, bags, uh, depending on what the heck you're modeling. Now, I've gone out there and I've got some swatches of leather, you know, little things here, little things there. Cups cost a couple bucks at the, you know, the clothing, or not the clothing, the cloth store or the art store where they sell things of uh, cloth so that you can sew them together. I'm not a sewing person and a lot of people look at me like, what the heck, eh, whatever. It doesn't matter what they think. What's important is building your custom library. I've gotten a lot of cloth textures, which uh, Cyber, and I, Cyber and I share our assets um, just because we're buddies and we hang out and we do stuff. Uh, we work on projects, what have you. So we share some of this stuff. Um, I've given him some of my assets. He's given me some of his. There are some really nice textures out there. And you don't limit yourself to just what you are used to seeing. Just anything that is out there is a texture. Like a fast food bag. You can cut that thing open, lay a flat, snap a shot, and you can reproduce that in the virtual world. Yes, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, what have you. Anything that is a flat surface or something that you can cut up and create a flat surface with, you can take a shot. A cork board is nice. Not only just a new cork board, but something that's old and worn out where some of the cork is being you know, broken apart and stuff. Because the more organic and the more used something is, the more realistic it is. So one of the secrets to being successful in CG artwork is your custom texture libraries, and that is something you personally have to go do because they are quote-unquote custom. They're something that you have to build and you have to, to make. Now a lot of people are going to see this and go, oh my gosh, that's so good. It doesn't matter. It, one soda can in a scene that looks photorealistic and you will get raves for making a vast complex uh, graphic scene where everything is obviously CG and people just go, eh. You know, it's, it's one of those things where simple little things done very well gets you a lot farther than big complex things that aren't done very well. So when you once you have your custom textures, that is going to get you the farthest. And that is the key to everything here is to actually have some textures to work with to create whatever it is you're doing. Now, when you have a scene and you want to make something, you have to consider what's in it and what would be good textures. The stuff that comes with the programs, I don't care what program you get, is never going to look as good as your own custom textures. And that's what makes the professionals. The professionals go out there, they make a scene, and they see something and go, what kind of texture do I want on that? And then they go custom make the texture and then put that texture on the item, whether it's a brick wall, whether it is a wooden bucket, whether it's a well with stone, um, whether it is a fireplace you got to have your own custom textures because the textures that come with the software will never get you as far as your own textured stuff. Another resource to go to is someplace called cgsociety.org. Go, 
check out the galleries and the images posted there in both the 3D and the 2D. Now the 3D is CG graphic items, things that are made in the computer with people's custom textures and stuff. The 2D is more traditional artwork with oils, watercolors, pencils, charcoal, stuff like that. Uh, the 3D forum galleries are, is what you're going to want to look at. Now when you go through those galleries you're going to see some of this stuff and go, how the heck can I ever possibly do that? Don't let it overwhelm you. These guys did everything one step at a time, literally. Now, when you make your assets, your texture assets, then you will start making your model assets. These are things that you will have with you that you can create and add in your other scenes. Your soda can, your bags, like you make a hard-covered book and then you use a cloth texture like what WTF was talking about, wrap that around your book and then you can put those in your bookshelves. Um, little things you want to make photorealistic because all of them combined make the grand scenes that you're seeing. So a little rock that can fit in the, uh, the palm of your hand, you go out there and you take a picture of a big flat rock, take a picture of that texture and then you wrap it around that smaller rock and it looks photorealistic and that's what's important. You want photorealistic. Things in your kitchen, a paper towel, you take out a paper towel, flatten it down, snap a shot, you put it on something and voila, now you have paper towels in your images. So you take the top of a paper towel and look, you know, so you're top down, straight down, snap a picture of that and you put that on the end caps so it looks like an actual roll of a paper towel. And that you can put in your kitchen scene. And you just want to set it off the side. You don't want to showcase it because it's not about making one item stick out. You just want to have a bunch of little things that look photorealistic. It's like George Lucas said. You don't want to showcase a particular thing because you spent a million dollars creating it. You, it's in a part of a two-second scene. It needs to be there. You do what you can and you move on. You don't sit there and hover on something just because you spent a lot of time on it. And that's the whole thing about CG graphics is that the best scenes will have a lot of busy little things that people spend a lot of time on. Your eye immediately sees it and immediately dismisses it because it's a normal thing in a scene that you would normally see, like in a kitchen. You would see a roll of paper towels. You would see a placemat. You would see a microwave. You would see, you know, it's not so much about one particular item. It's about everything as a whole. And as long as each individual key item in that scene is good your entire scene will be good so mostly it is thankless being a cg artist because a lot of things that you do individually you're going to spend a lot of time of and be proud of like the soda can it's very simple but you can be proud of a soda can however you don't want to make everything over the soda can you know it's just every little thing that you can do snap taking a snapshot of the front of your refrigerator for instance in this scene example um, and then putting that on your refrigerator. So you may have to pull it out, you know, clean it up a little bit um, so that you can get shots of all three facing sides because normally people don't see the back of a refrigerator. So you put that on, some, on a model of a refrigerator, try to get it as close to the shape as possible. You wrap those textures on there and voila, it looks realistic. And you just set it off in the corner in your scene. It's not so much that you have a re custom made refrigerator with custom textures, it's just that it's photorealistic and the best photorealistic item will immediately be dismissed from the mind because they see it, uh, they absorb it almost instantly, and the mind at that point ignores it. However, if it's not good, 
that is what's going to get you in trouble is if people start noticing things like there's something not quite right with that refrigerator and that detracts from the entire scene itself. So unlike other artistry, the key factor here is that you do not want to draw attention to your items, but you just want the scene as a whole to look outstanding. The exception to this rule, of course, is when you actually are making a particular item, like uh, the genre of steampunk, for instance, and you make a very complicated looking like wristwatch with gears and, you know, it's just a showpiece item. Now, showpiece items are totally different than making a scene where you want to blend things into it. Now, with showpiece items, yes, of course, you want all the detail you can, and your whole objective is to draw people's attention to it, and you're trying to get them to draw into every little detail that you can do on this. Now, a showpiece item is going to be a model that is very complicated, a lot of detail, a lot of artwork and artistry into it, and most of this stuff is going to have, like, etched metal, uh, a lot of scroll work, things like that, and just basically the models. Now, for people who want to set up a resume of sorts, get a portfolio going of different things, and yeah, you, at that point, you're going to want to showpiece each and every little item that you have, and then you're trying to draw attention to it. But mostly with a showpiece item, the scene is the item itself. It's like a still life art. It's, it's just something where it's just a singular piece, and that's it. So on average, Cyber, when you make something, how long is it going to take you to do it? Now, I'm talking about basically uh, like a little space shuttle, for instance. Okay, for like the, the shuttle I have on the forums here where I posted, it's a very simple little thing. Um, the most detail it had was a little pack on the back top of it. Um, and that takes a couple hours. Um, and it's not so much that the modeling itself takes a couple hours. It's just because I don't hand draw it out. I just kind of go from scratch, start with the shape, and start going from there until something's formed. I have a general idea that, yeah, I want a, a, a ship of some sort, so I work on the windows and things like that. Now, the biggest thing with making this is that the textures is where, what comes into play. I really do not have a big library of textures, so I can make the models look really nice, but once I put start slapping textures on it, I don't have a lot of space or sci-fi custom textures, and that kind of just draws everything down. But generally speaking, it takes me about two hours to really kind of get into it. Okay, so that's two hours for the ship, um, and that's not very complicated. I've seen some of your models, some of them, yeah, most of them are pretty simplistic because you, you tend to do things in one night. Yeah, it, about two, three hours per model, so it's not that complicated, it's not that detailed. Um, I've seen people who will spend eight hours on a rifle for instance and then they spend eight hours on the arm piece a detailed arm piece for assigned sci-fi armor and then another eight hours for the chest and shoulder pieces and stuff and then another eight hours just on the helmet and then another eight hours on a legging and boots so you're looking at somebody who will spend um, at least a couple weeks because they have a day job too on one particular model of a space marine holding a very nice rifle so depending on the level you want to get into this, you can spend a lot of time on the model, but I guarantee you the more time you spend on it, the more you're going to be satisfied with the model itself and the more oohs and ahs you're going to get from everybody. So the key factors here are a lot of details on the models as far as your showpiece goes. Um, 
When you're making a scene, you do not want to draw too much attention to any one item. Basically, the scene as a whole is your model, not an individual piece in it. So you want to kind of make things real, but not draw too much attention to one particular item. Your showpiece items, however, that's where you want to start drawing attention to details and items and things in, in the particular item itself in your showpiece. Now, for a lot of you, you're like, eh, well, what are you going to do? Basically, you just got to start doing it. Start simple. Start uh, just making things, little items here and there. But try to do it well. Uh, put it into your library of assets, and then you can start using it for other scenes. Okay, getting into CG artwork. First and foremost, you need your computer. You can't do computer graphics without a computer. Uh, most of you have this already, and you're probably listening to this or downloading this from your computer. So you that's already covered more than likely. Second part is a digital camera. At least 8 megapixels, 10 preferable. Uh, the higher the better, of course. And that is to make your own uh, custom texture library. you got to have your own custom textures to really start building your assets. Modeling software, uh, we went over some points. There are some free ones out there for modeling. Unlike a hexagon, you can get something like Blender and stuff. But for the commercial ones that you pay, they have a lot more features and it's a lot easier to use. The DAZ site as a resource for your software, uh, for rendering stuff, um, Bryce 5.5 is free. Um, you can probably get a scaled-down version of the latest one, extremely cheap, if not at least free, um, at the DAZ site. Uh, if you're going to go pro or after a while you're seeing that you're really getting into it, we would suggest upgrading to that. If you're going to go full-blown pro, like some of you in school who want to do this as a career, eventually you're going to have to step up to the, the software that's about $4,000. Sites to hit for inspiration and, you know, just to kind of see what, what's going on with the community itself. The biggest one that we go to on a regular basis and a lot of people hit is cgsociety.org. That is the main site. It has both 2D and 3D forums, so even with your traditional artwork, like your pencil sketchings and stuff, you can still kind of get ideas on that, too. I would suggest setting up a profile there, and if you're going to start posting your work, you can do that. The DAS site itself does have its own forum with the community if you're going to be using their software. Most companies that have rendering software will have a form of some sort with their software. Here again, if you have some very specific detailed questions you want to ask us, email us at cyberpunk at cyberwolf.com. That's P-S-Y-B-E-R-P-U-N-K at P-S-Y-B-E-R-W-O-L-F.com. And regardless of what you're getting into, whether it's CG artwork, graphic designs, whatever, you're going to need Photoshop. And that's just kind of a given. Anything, any intellectual property that is visual in nature and it is not movie related, you're going to need Photoshop. Not to say you won't be using Photoshop in movie production. True, you can use it for backdrops and stuff like that. Green screen is a wonderful thing. Yes, indeed, it is quite a wonderful thing. Any questions on this subject, or any subject we have, or you have questions on subjects you want us to cover, drop us a line here again, uh, here at cyberpunk at cyberwolf.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The next episode we will be covering will be involving the comic book industry.
regardless if you're trying to get hired on to an established comic studio, whether you want to be self-published or start your own comic book studio, we can help you get started in this field. Having a few publications under our belts, uh, we will give you assets, uh, how to get things going, how to be self-published, what route to go, the cheapest route to go, software of course, uh, where to go to get things, and including comic fonts and stuff, which are usually very expensive, and we'll tell you how to get that free, as well as how to basically get started in the comic book industry. Whether you want to go work for a commercial established studio, whether you want to start your own studio, or whether you just want to have a self-published comic. Until next time, just download the stuff and get to it. Just start it and do it. That's the only way to get started in something is to actually do it. Talk to you guys later. For episode 2 of Cyberpunk, this is Cyberwolf. And this is WTF 992.